Welcome to another episode of It's Always Personal. My name is Wood. Um, gonna jump into this one. This looking at the, the 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 total length of this episode, it's already very long. Um, just with the interview of today's guest, Shaquaya Bailey, uh, who happens to be the president of the Major Taylor Cycling Club uh, in Pittsburgh. She also is involved with Black Girls Do Bike there. And then she's also part of this group called uh, The Black Foxes that I ran across on Instagram. Um, I know there is a lot of... Well, let me back up. A little housekeeping first. Uh, depending on where you listen to this podcast, it's always personal. You would help me out immensely if you would leave a review. A short review or a uh, and definitely a rating a rating probably takes like 15 seconds to just click four or five stars five would help me out the most but um especially if you're on listening to this on or you listen to podcast on apple podcast that'd be an excellent place uh to help me out uh provides me with some feedback it's also um you know motivational um i don't hear a lot of feedback from listeners um but it kind of you know it gives me an idea to uh that i'm accomplishing what i'm trying to accomplish with it's always personal um you know you can always email me pay me no mind show at gmail.com uh this episode was also live streamed on my youtube channel pay me no mind and uh the thought behind i know this could be confusing but um you know my youtube channel was monetized um this is monetized in a, in a different way but just trying to do what i'm trying to do youtube is an excellent platform for people to find the topics that i'm discussing it's also in in a great um a great way for there to be some interaction from people who are interested in the topics that I'm covering. Um, and this particular episode right here and talking about cycling and, um, fitness, um, new people considering cycling, even with my goal of hoping that more black people, uh, recognize cycling as a way to help out with their own fitness goals. And encouraging, you know, trying to encourage that to happen and inviting or welcoming others into the, uh, I don't want to call it a sport, but just adding it or implementing it as part of, you know, your fitness goals. Uh, so that's why I did this one on the live stream. There wasn't as much uh, interaction as I was hoping for, but I didn't get a chance to really promote it that much, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there it, it, it lives on there so people can check it out oh and then there's uh the third segment with Shaquaya. i'm gonna just call her shay she said that was her nickname but um the third segment with shay was not recorded or not included on the live stream i shut it down because you know there weren't any questions coming from any viewers so uh but like i said man if you want to go over there and check out the voice that you're listening to uh, from myself as well as uh, Shay, head over to uh, Pay Me No Mind on YouTube and check it out over there. 
Uh, but back to it though, with the uh, the ratings and the reviews, you know, obviously if I have numbers, you know, that I can present potential guests and get people to uh, agree to give me, you know, 25, 35 minutes of their time. If I have some, some good numbers to, you know, to add to my pitch, it helps me get future guests on the show. Um, and then, you know, may, you can also, if you do email me, pay me, pay me no mind show at gmail.com. Uh, you know, maybe you have constructive criticism. Maybe you just have criticism. I know America is full of hate. Uh, the world is full of hate. So that wouldn't surprise me neither. But there's also, you know, if you want a suggestion, just suggest any topics or uh, suggest any uh, guests. You know, maybe, you know, another cycler or cyclist or something else that I'm talking about. So all of that would be appreciated. Um, again, take the time to rate the podcast. And then if you could spare, you know, a, a, however long it would take you to send your significant other a detail, uh, you know, a, a, a meaningful text. That's really all you would have to take to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other podcast listeners consider it's always personal based on the comments that you make so think about it um so like i said today's guest um is shaquaya bailey she completed this bike pack ride over 330 something miles it's called the gap ride i believe i cannot remember what gap stands for off the top of my head but this is a well-known route that's traveled by cyclists. Uh, she did it by herself. She did it early in the riding season. Uh, but it's from Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C. Um, and she just, you know, we talked about her preparation for that, her background with cycling, her role, you know, as a president of the MTCC, the Major Taylor Cycling Club. There are major... Taylor chapters across the country. Um, I know, well, I'm going to get into that. Um, we talked about, uh, and then she also, you know, her personal training or what she does with cycling for herself. She like, sounds like she races. Uh, and then also she gives back to the community in working with youth who are considering cycling and trying to grow the uh, you know the number of cyclists and, and and introducing cycling to black people again anybody that's white that's listening to this look I don't I don't know how to talk about some of these things without uh, saying what they are as they as they are so this isn't about uh, you know some racial stuff or, or, or you know just for the sake of talking about race. Uh, as a black man, I would think that a lot of, uh, you know, I would probably draw black listeners first. And then um, I am trying to encourage my community to be more healthy. And I'm trying to present cycling as a way, as a means to improve uh, one's health in a really unique way. You know, I, I started riding last year. I'd had a, a fitness bike for probably five, six, seven years, had never really been out on it. And just last year in the pandemic, it gave me a chance. I stumbled across, uh, you know, how many calories could be burned. 
in a certain amount of time. I went from riding in it within a week and a half. I went from riding around my neighborhood to um, venturing out to the local bike trail or bike path. Um, I also purchased a fitness watch to help with, you know, my workouts and tracking that. Um, I didn't uh, kind of I really didn't get into the uh, the kind of any kind of significant weight loss that I was hoping to achieve. Um, I did do some, you know, I did reach certain distances. I wanted to ride a 40 mile ride last year. I did get that in. Um, I learned a bunch of new routes in the city. I was talking about talking to another partner of mine. He also bought a bike. I looked into a major tailor last year, but locally here in Dayton, Ohio, the you know they had a message out there about everything being shut down for the season so that wasn't an option for me and i just start i just kept riding on my own so coming in, into year two or season two for me um, i ended up picking up a road bike i upgraded to a road bike i still have my fitness bike i bought a trainer last year i have a video on pay me no mind about you know trying to get some work in with the trainer i ran into some issues there and before I could resolve those, lo and behold, we're back to the you know this riding season. So, um, like I said, I bought this road bike. Um, I was going to check back in with Major Taylor. I saw you know the the Columbus chapter. I think they just put their schedule up maybe last week. Um, shout out to my mother-in-law. She recently put well. She spoke to uh, a friend of hers who was in the local chapter. I don't think the Dayton chapter has a, uh, an Instagram page. And that could, you know, that could, that could hurt the growth of a particular organization when you're not present in certain, you know, in the most popular spaces, which is social media, you know, some of these different social media platforms. So I don't think they have one unless they have a weird name or format for the name that makes it difficult to find. I've seen Cincinnati. I've seen Columbus. I think I even saw Pittsburgh on there, maybe Houston. Um, I saw a couple of other big ones, uh, but I don't think Dayton is on there. But anyway, my mother-in-law, uh, passed the word along to a friend of hers who's a, a a big a big cycling enthusiast uh and that woman happens to belong to the Dayton chapter and so yesterday incidentally as I was picking up some more biking gear and I'm over well over two thousand dollars in this stuff now including the cost of my second bike the road bike um but now just buying gear upgrades riding shoes gloves uh cycling bibs um devices uh you know maintenance equipment backup equipment you know backup uh inner tubes you know in case you have a flat and, and you know bags for the bike all kind of stuff it's getting outrageous but, um, you know, in planning to ride farther this year, uh, you know, you got you, you got to be prepared for different things. You also have to be able to perform certain, um, you know, maintenance and upkeep on your bike to make sure that it's operating properly and, and so on and so forth. I got into some of this stuff, stuff with Shay. Um, 
So what else was I getting ready to say before I get into this interview? That was pretty much. Oh, so you know, so uh, my my mother in law's friend, who I knew from this, she she popped up at a gym that we used to when me and my wife used to take these boxing classes. Uh, she would pop in down there sometimes. But an older lady, um, very young spirited though. But she's actually a part, a member of a couple of riding clubs here in in um, in Dayton. And she calls me while I'm picking up some a bike rack for my trunk for my vehicle to start transporting my bike to different trails around here to add to the spice of you know keep things new uh and be able to get to some different rides um so as i'm coming home from the bike shop i get this call from my mother-in-law's friend and uh you know she gives me the the rundown on the major teller uh cycling club here in Dayton so that was right on time I'd actually did this interview in this live stream with Shay uh, maybe two nights before no the the night before so it was that it was that fresh uh you know that I ended up getting put in touch with uh you know the chapter in my city so you know Peloton is doing what it does with its online riding community or whatever that is i know crossfit several years ago exploded because of this community element to it mirror is something else for working out at home that has some kind of virtual partner um i've seen some stuff here in the city i know another gentleman uh, i can't remember his name off the top of him but he had a fitness thing that was going for a while i don't know how I might have to circle back and see what's going on with him. But he had some pictures uh, of him holding different fitness classes and workshops and stuff with groups of women. Uh, lo even locally at this this place called uh, Riverscape. It's downtown Dayton, Ohio. It's this really, it's this large covered area, obviously next to the river here. Uh, but it was groups of uh, individuals meeting over there and doing like these group these large group workouts uh i don't know if it was hit h-i-i-t classes whatever people were doing a bunch of stuff and there's been a lot more six even the boxing uh class that i just told you about with me and my wife it was 15 of us in there you know eight of us in there on at some nights uh doing this boxing class together uh co-ed you know strength in numbers so um but anyway i just wanted to talk with uh Shaquaya after seeing her this 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 achievement talking through it uh since she is also a woman i would love for there to be more black women out there riding um and knowing that you can get into it comfortably you can grow into it uh and this is a way to get off the couch i'm in the, that's why i bought this this um this bike rack yesterday because i'm determined to get my wife out of the house and i you know i know she doesn't want to walk all the time and i know the the calories that could be burned uh riding versus walking and the amount of time it would take to burn those calories walking uh get outdoors get some fresh air in your lungs get some sunlight which is vitamin d i believe uh think listen to some music enjoy the outdoors uh one one major benefit 
of cycling is that uh, it doesn't necessarily feel like work. It doesn't feel like you're working out. And sometimes you can even work hard and not really even be all of that, all that sweaty. Um, like I said, I did a lot last year solo. Um, I wasn't necessarily in need of a uh, of a community uh, it, for me to continue. I just told you what I invested in, you know, for my second season of riding and or cycling. And um, but it's 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 like uh, my my mother in law's friend said, just show up, you know, see what you like, what you don't like, do what you want to do. Even with talking to Shay, uh, her experience of meeting uh, the Pittsburgh. Major Taylor Cycling Club for the first time was pretty hilarious. Um, she talked about some some changes that they've made, trying to be of better service and be more inviting to local. Uh, I don't know what the term is or the nickname is for people that live in Pittsburgh. Pittsburghians, I don't know, but uh, that's probably a terrible stab at it. But um, Look at, you know, look at the Instagram uh, accounts of these major Taylor clubs. Uh, and it's not all, you know, not everybody in these clubs is black. Um, you don't have some of the rides that they have. The I don't know if they're called signature rides or the events that they hold. It's not all black people. You know, it, it's everybody is out there. Um, we talked about, you know, something like black girls do bike. Does that turn off? Uh, you know, interacting with other riding groups or, or whatever. We, we, we got into that. Um, but I, I think, again, overall, as black people, I do a, a priority for me is to encourage black people to adopt anything that, you know, is going to be, uh, you know, some self-improvement uh, wellness encourages, uh, you know, and fosters wellness and all that, all that type of stuff. That all rolls up into it's always personal. So um, we'll get into the interview. It is three segments. You can fast forward. You're new to podcast. Take that status bar thing on the on there that has the time on it on your device and move it to the right. You know, jump 20 minutes ahead. Jump. Uh, 30 minutes ahead or whatever you don't have to listen to it all at one point in time my mother-in-law listened to a, a an interview a, a couple in a couple episodes ago and was like i listened to that whole thing it's not it's it's not uh it, you know it's not designed to be that way you can listen to some in the store you can listen to another 10 or 15 minutes on the way to the store you can listen to 10 minutes or 25 minutes while you're walking. That's what the convenience of a podcast is all about. Um, a lot of stuff. So that's that. We'll get into the interview here in just a second. Um, I didn't really want to touch on too much of the negative stuff, but I'd be remiss, you know, if I didn't acknowledge them. But, um, you know, the shooting this week in um, in Minneapolis of Dante Wright last Sunday, I believe. Um, and the officer, former officer at this point, Kimberly Potter, I believe is her name. You saw the police chief there in Brooklyn Center quit. Uh, Potter said that she thought she was holding her uh, a taser. 
she ended up firing a single shot that hit right um and then you know soon after he perished messy situation we also know at the same time in minneapolis the Derek chauvin trial and the killing of um, george floyd is winding down um i believe closing arguments are maybe monday so you know minneapolis is going through quite a bit then that goes to out to social media <clears throat> different personalities and figures you know they post they make different posts instantly after these incidents and then we have people reacting real time to what's going on in the courtroom you know because the defense attorney is doing his job and and and, and trying to defend his client whether or not whether or not we agree with the, the man or, or think he's guilty or whatever it's a process so i don't you know the the constant real time uh weighing in on this stuff in social media really isn't um productive to me it's not benefit i know we're so used to things being wrapped up in a 47 52 minute episode of the you know fbi chicago pd some of the different legal shows throughout the year crime and law and order and special crime all that all this stuff out here like I said, even with, with weighing in on whether that Potter meant to do it, that she intentionally did this, I just don't see this as being helpful. It's keeping people charged up over an extended period of time with all of this stuff. I know this stuff has to be addressed. It has to be worked through. Um, but you know to get out here arguing on social media and the way that some people are re becoming radicalized and dealing with some of this stuff is alarming um to say the least so i don't know I, I don't have any answers for this stuff man um and the fact that some people want to continue to be more have more energy towards the argument and, and towards taking a side and maintaining that stance versus looking at any details you know i saw a lady that had about 15 posts on a facebook forum about the case and she was adamant that um that george floyd was a drug addict and that's where her whole that's that's where her whole interest in this thing stops at is he was a drug addict he died he od and i'm you know okay i mean someone told you that on the on the, on the outlets that you watch and that's where you 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 left off at okay i mean you can do that but then there you know it, it, it that that explodes on um social media it's 15 20 people that want to respond to her and like it, it just gets messy so we'll see what happens maybe i'll talk about that more you know once we you know, maybe the maybe minneapolis is burned to the ground next week you know this thing with with kimberly potter um i guess she was charged with uh with something so anyway like i said i i, I i'm just 
cycling is actually great because you can get out and get away from the world and get away from social media and get away from the, the, the from the from everybody being so charged up and you can allow things to play out play themselves out and unfold the way that they need to and um and act or react accordingly and uh and so on and so forth um you know it's 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 an ugly situation right now and everything doesn't deserve your time i've talked about that before here on, on on earlier episodes everything doesn't deserve your time but we give everything we allow all of these different things to uh invade our psyches and um overcome us and and so on and so forth when we can choose to focus our energy attention other places um I can say a little bit more, but I've already made this 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 monologue or this intro too long. Check out Shaquaya uh, Bailey, this this gap ride. Get to know a little something about cycling, uh, maybe for your personal fitness goals. Um, also, like I said, do check out if you want to look at it differently. The discussion. Head over to Pay Me No Mind on YouTube. M I N D. And um, do the rating review thing for me if you can. And uh, let me get on out of here. Coming up, Shay Bailey of the Pittsburgh Major Taylor Cycling Club. Uh, you can get her social media stuff, uh, accounts and all that handles on the live stream if you'd like to. So that's it, man. Let me get off here. Peace. Shaquaya Bailey out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? I am great. I'm great. Um, I said I was getting some some stuff over here to make sure that we're recording. So for anybody tuning in, um, as I was just mentioning to Shaquaya, um, we're going to do some time over here in case anybody viewing has any questions about cycling or, or wants to weigh in on any way in any way uh, you can do so. Uh, otherwise uh, we'll shut it down after 30 or 40 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, and then finish up. This will be on my, it's always personal podcast, which is out there on Apple podcast, Google podcast, uh, Spotify, as well as anchor. So uh, with all that out the way, What's been going on? Uh, honestly, work. Now that I came back from that trip, just a lot of work. You know, when you go on vacation, come back to a ton of emails. Definitely, definitely. Um, for those that don't know, I, uh, you know, I have a burner account that I use on Instagram uh, to kind of stay away from a lot of the BS that's out there. And one thing that I do follow on Instagram is cycling. And I, I stumbled across Shaquaya's post about this unbelievable ride from uh, her hometown of Pittsburgh 
to D.C. and then back. I think that spans over 330 miles or something. So uh, that's what we'll get into that in just a second. She recently completed that. We'll dig into that. But I wanted to uh, go back to see uh, where did you start with cycling? I started commuting. I was, I would say, I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you get a bike, you ride around. And then college, got another bike, used it to get to him from classes. And then something happened to that bike. And then went after college, was like, you know, I want to get another bike just to get to A to B. I lived in Atlanta for a short bit. Okay. And then I got a bike then. Then I got rid of that bike when I moved back to Pittsburgh. And then I was like, you know, I miss having a bike. And I would like to be able to get to places quicker. And I was really adamant about not getting a car at the time and just avoiding the bus. So I was like, bike it is. So I went, I got to put a bike on layaway at Performance. I don't know if they're a thing anymore because they went like bankrupt or something. But, and then I got that out sooner than I expected. And I was just like riding everywhere, just get to work, just to get, you know, wherever I need to go. And that's kind of how that really started. And I ended up meeting uh, the president of Pittsburgh Major Taylor along the way. And from then, it just like picked up with like a snowball, like ended up meeting more people, learning about different facets of cycling. And that just went from there. Just definitely exploding. So part of this, as you're commuting, I mean, where you live in Pittsburgh, is it conducive to getting around by bike only, or does it take a little bit of creativity on your part? Creativity, because it's hard. It's, it's hilly. <laughs> I, well, that's what I was I was thinking. Yeah. I've been to Pittsburgh a couple times. <laughs> it's a it's, it is hilly, so that's what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, but, it's hilly. It's disrespectful in some aspects. Like for people who never been here, but if you've been to like San Francisco and you see them streets and they'd be like disrespectful, steep, same. Um, there are areas, of course, where it plateaus okay. and it can be some flat sections, but it's hilly, especially if you're trying to get on the other side of town to the other side of town. But it was definitely a challenge. It took some pre- preparation. Like, you have, you have your backpack and you're carrying your change of clothes. That's what you're, you know, carrying in your bag, you know, and just knowing that you, like, might have a extra pair of undergarments. And then also change just so you could have something to switch out to. And when I was commuting to work at the time, like when I had really got that, when I when I like first moved back and really was making that like hardcore transition, I was like, oh yeah, I started even planning like certain outfits to wear that would be that would transition well on the bike. Right. And if I knew I was going to be getting soiled either from the elements outside. Or if I knew it was going to be just a sweaty time getting to work, then I would just pack my clothes in my bag. And then when I get to work, I would change. But luckily, at the job that I had at the time, there was a shower in our bathroom, okay. which is so rare, especially in Pittsburgh to have an older building and for our bathrooms to have a shower. It was like some weird coincidence, but I end up would go to work, end up coming like 30 minutes early and I roll in, get my gear and I would have stuff saved at my, like, kept, I keep it at my desk. And I would have my shower stuff there. 
and I would take a shower, so I'd be fresh. So for me, it was like, yeah, I'm commuting to work, but I'm cleaner than a lot of other people rolling up in here because I literally just took a shower. Right. And so <laughs> that made it really easy too. Um, and then once I transitioned jobs, that job ended up being even closer. Okay. So it's only like two miles from my house and it's flat. So when I'm riding to work, I'm not even sweating. So, so what about the roadways themselves? Like the, the, the streets, are there any bike lanes? Which I've heard bike lanes really aren't all that great for bikes because a lot of debris or trash or, you know, stuff that could cause flats and whatnot ends up over there. But um, are, the, are the roadways inviting, you know, for commuting and whatnot? There are bike lanes, but they're not really connected in all the ways that you needed to. They'll be like, here's this one roadway where's a bike lane and it's great but then to get to that roadway or to get to that road and then once you're off that road there's no bike lane so right, right. there's like certain key roads that have it and then there's roads that have the little shero signs painted on the pavement where okay. it has the bicycle and then the two kind of lines are like an arrow just to kind of be like okay expect the bikes to be here but that's just paint just on the pavement just for suggestion <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, it's just letting people know that you might, you'll see a biker and you should expect it, but that doesn't really mean anything to drivers. Right. Say that they would actually slow down or be, pay attention. But I, I think, you know, what more people bike in, it's getting better. Okay. But Pittsburgh is an old city. And for the most part, a lot of people drive here. And because of how hilly it is, it's not conducive to be like, oh, I'm going to just like walk to such and such. Or even like the public transit is not that great. So it doesn't really invite people to want to use a bunch of different multimodal transportation because of the public transportation not that good. And it's also really hilly. So even if you do try to switch it up, it's still difficult. I mean, if we do have um, a healthy ride which is like the little bikes that you could rent. Okay, okay. And so that came to Pittsburgh and I think that helped a lot. But like I said, that's right now that's localized to the very like central parts of Pittsburgh. And so it's still not even, it's not, it hasn't really traveled further out for those neighborhoods that aren't right at the epicenter of the city. So it's still, there's some difficulty there. And then those, I think they're working on it actually to get some um, electronic bikes, but right now they don't even have those electronic bikes that you can use yet. But I think once they do have them, people are really gonna start using them even more because we're so hilly. And I think that's a barrier to some people where they're like, oh, here's this healthy ride bike that I could rent that's really cheap and affordable, but it's heavy. I think there's like seven gears. And so people do rent them, but they usually do on the flat sections of the city or like when you're right downtown, or I mean, right on like the south side or something like that or north side, like where just wherever it's just flat, people use it there. But when it comes to going up, you won't see that as much. Just <laughs> as how difficult it is. Right. So how long did it take for it like to become second nature for you in riding with you know the traffic in the area and being comfortable? And uh, do you listen to music during your commutes because of the you know the the threats that are out there on the roadways? I usually, I think I've listened to music even less now. I did more so, but even when I did, I always did um, 
one earbud. Okay. Never any headphones like this right, ever. Right, right, okay. Never anything that's noise canceling. That's the worst thing you could do for yourself. Right. <laughs> you right. just asking for some trouble. Um, but I definitely try to avoid that. As far as traffic, I think I always, I think I'm an anomaly in that I never was scared of traffic. Okay. I just went and I did it. And I think it started out, I always lived in the city, which I think made me just used to traffic in that way. Mm-hmm. I always lived in the city and I didn't have a car for so long that I was just like, all right, this is what you got to do, make it safe. <laughs> and so there was no other question. Like, that's all I knew. And I think if I was coming from a different area where it was a suburb and there were bike lanes and there were designated bike spots that I knew about, then seeing traffic, I would look at it differently. Because all I ever knew was traffic. To me, that's a part of life. That's just, that's like breathing. It is what it is. Right. So for me, I never had to get over it. And, but I know other people have, it it could be, it's different for other people. But for me, I just got right into it and dealt with it. And, you know, you try to pay attention. I mean, I've been hit three times. Oh. Um, Yeah. Two hospitals. One, like, I just got a grace. Didn't even get hurt. But my bike did get damaged. But, yeah, so, like I said, I'm lucky in that regard, too, because I'm still still biking. And right, right. Still were they your fault? like a demon. Were, were they mm-hmm. any, any of those situations your fault? No. Mm-mm. Okay. But don't matter. You... You, when you get hit, you you hit, you lose. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, so the major Taylor thing, I, I guess. How did you um, link up with the chapter there in um, in Pittsburgh? I'm trying not to be too long winded, but I end up knowing somebody. It's like the one of those six degrees of separation. Okay. Um, I end up knowing someone who worked in the same building as me. We became friends. We started riding bikes together. We went on a ride. Ended up, I ended up accidentally doing 60 miles that day. That was like the longest ride I ever done at that point. And during that ride, her boyfriend had to pick her up because before we knew about eating properly on the bike and, and bonking, um, and that's basically when you don't eat enough, you just lose energy okay. and you just can't go on anymore. So before we even knew about that, she bonked during that ride and couldn't go on anymore. And so her boyfriend had to pick her up. But her boyfriend happened to be co-workers with the president of Pittsburgh Major Taylor. And in relaying a story to his co-worker, mentioned that. And the president was like, what? You had to do what? And he ended up telling him that like he ended up saying hey you tell that person who did that rat about our club and and they, pa- they basically passed the information on okay and i and i followed through they gave me information and said yo her boyfriend was like yo hit hit him up they had the club da, 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 meet him here and i showed up and they actually were starting to ride out in front of performance bikes up in east slip and um that's when I, that's i was i wasn't even wearing a helmet then this was before I was wearing a helmet because I was like, <laughs> I rolled up to, I rolled up to the ride, and I was like, "All right, yeah, I'm ready." He's introduced himself and everything, and he was like, "Where's your helmet?" I said, "Helmet? <laughs> I don't wear a helmet." And I was like, "Them is whack. Them look corny." Right. And he was like, "Yeah, corny till you did." And so, 
I was like, he said, well, he said, you have to wear a helmet if you ride with us. You can't ride with us if you don't wear a helmet. Okay. I said, really? He's like, yeah, you can't ride with us. And so I really wanted to ride with them because I'm like, uh, the anomaly being that there was a lot of black riders in this club. I mean, there's white people too, but I was like, whoa, there's black people biking. And so I was like, I need to ride with them. So I was like, all right, I wore this corny helmet he gave me for that ride. <laughs> and then after that ride, you know, I was like, I got to give me a helmet that looked good with my bike. So then I went out and I got a bike that matched. At, at the time, my bike was um, black, red, and white. So I went and got a black, red, and white helmet to match. And then ever since then, I've been wearing a helmet. What, what were you wearing for your, for your clothing when you pulled up with no helmet? Um, Had you kind of started buying cycling gear at all at that point? Or you just... I think I might have had shorts and a jersey, okay. but it was from performance. Okay. Like, you know, you go into the store because I got it from performance and it was for the boy. They was always having sales. And I don't even, I'm not even trying to plug them because I'm not sponsored by them, but they were so affordable. It's like performance was like the Walmart of bike for, for, for bike stores. Okay. And I was like, it just made it accessible, especially when you, you know, money is tight. And so you're like, okay, you go into the store, you're looking around and, you see all this gear and then I think I ask questions too I think that makes a big difference and I was like well what is this for what is this for why you got this and then I did have the shorts and I had a jersey I think the fit probably wasn't the best and I mean it wasn't like the best gear it wasn't the snazziest or nothing and um I was even still wearing underwear under my shorts I didn't know better and it was like went on a ride and after many rides later I found out that you don't need to, you're not supposed to wear underwear under shorts. And after, but that's why after I asked somebody, I was like, I was having pain, like friction. And that's when I like learned about saddle sores and all these other things. But like, I didn't have that at the time, but I learned about it eventually. It was like, yeah, you're not supposed to be wearing that under your shorts because it can cause saddle sores. You can have issues doing this. And I was like, this makes so much sense. Right. And then <laughs> immediately on that ride, <laughs> this is probably too much information. When we went to a place to stop at the bathroom, I took them drawings off underneath. And I was like, put them, put them in a bag, put them in my pocket. And I was like, never again while we're underwear underneath, short, underneath these shorts. Because it was such a problem. And I felt better ever since. So I always try to tell people, even though people don't like to talk about it, you I just I just say it like hey when I'm talking to the kids when I'm talking to adults I said hey shorts you don't want to wear underneath underwear underneath them and I said but if you want to by all means but there's a reason why you you, you shouldn't and um I just make sure I tell people because I didn't know nobody told me until I asked so right. I just tell people so prior to this to this you mentioned the 60 mile ride which that's I haven't even hit that point yet just my season and, and, and this season that I'm getting into will be my second. Um, but were you riding for oh, kind of what was your purpose for cycling at that point in time? And were you, were you out on like bike paths at that point or just riding the city different routes for your distance? And what was, what was, you know, where were you in your, I don't know what it is, maturation as a cyclist at that before major Taylor. Uh, I think I was just riding for leisure. Okay. I was just exploring. Okay. I had never... So I grew up in Pittsburgh and everything, but I was a pretty sheltered kid. And, at, at, you know, coming back, 
you know, after living in Atlanta, you know, being done with college, all these things, this was me seeing Pittsburgh with an adult lens, adult okay. eye. And so I had never really been to certain parts of the city. And I mean, because mind you, in Pittsburgh, people don't cross the bridges. They got this thing where they don't go over into other like neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah. If it's across the bridge, if you go, you got to cross a bridge. Oh, no. Dang. <laughs> like, that's too far. And it won't even be far. It's just like how people's mindsets are. We got and that because here I too. had grew up here and I was young and I was kind of sheltered. I hadn't really gone places unless I got taken in the vehicle right. by whoever my parent and guardian was, you know, or whoever I was with at the time and taken to that place. And so it was really just an opportunity to explore. I was like, oh, where, where can this go? Where can this road take us? Because when we were riding, we were just literally like, all right, let's ride down this road and see where it take us. But I didn't. We didn't have a plan. We I, we literally had um our phones, pull out our phone, look at the map, and be like, all right, well, we think this is good right here. Like we didn't have nothing planned out. We were just literally riding on some a uh, humbug. Gotcha, gotcha. So so what did um Major Taylor? You know, how did that change your uh, your, your cycling cycling life? Uh, you know, from that that meeting and that that introduction to that organization. It changed everything. I, I, before I started riding with them, I n- didn't really know about changing gears. I thought I needed to be in a hard gear to be doing work. Okay. And so I was like, okay, I should be grinding up this hill. I should be working hard. And then <laughs> talking to Bruce and other people and Carlos, they like, what are you, what are you doing? You need to change your gears. And that's when I learned shit. It should be easy. Like you want to make it easier when you're climbing a hill. You don't want it to be super difficult. You don't want to be like feeling you're gonna pop of a blood vessel. Um, you should be, you know, having ease and just really the ins and outs of like cycling etiquette, uh, mechanics of like you know how to change the gears and stuff, clothing, what certain clothing are for, best uses, um, even positioning on a bike. And um, learning about like bike sizes and bike fits. Um, Were you doing your own maintenance? Hmm? Had you been doing any of your own maintenance prior to this? No, I was just riding. I was riding my bike hard (laughs) because I commuted too. So I was doing, I was getting caught in the rain. I was sunshine, everything. I was riding to work. I was riding for fun, riding to my friend's house. So I was running through chains. I was running through cassettes. And I would just take the performance and let them fix it. Right, right. Um, And at the time, I only had one bike. So, you know, you're riding it more because you only have one anyway. Right. So, yeah, I just, from them, I just learned, like, a lot. I won't say I learned everything from them, but I learned a lot. A lot of the base from them. And then I discovered like racing and then learning how like planning routes, like we'll ride with GPS and figuring out how to do that. Because before I didn't have a plan, like I wasn't planning a route. I wasn't looking at a map beforehand. I would just be like, all right, I'm going to start from here. And this is going to be the road I'm going to start from and we'll see what it do. <laughs> but Major Taylor had routes planned with, you know, stops and oh, here's a rest stop here and all that I mean I think I did I don't know if they taught me how to do a flat but they did a, a 101 which I did 
and it's a bicycle one-on-one but basically kind of walk through how to change a flat and um how to like do some bike handling some basic skills um like the abcs and all that other stuff so that was super helpful it was just very informative in that regard okay Mm -hmm. now with major taylor um it's not a it's not like black only or for blacks only right i mean it is a diverse membership correct correct do you think that um kind of gets misconstrued by you know i don't know if if when, when you guys are all out together or just people looking for different groups do you think there's kind of that that confusion about what major taylor cycling clubs are all about i think there there could be sometimes i think whenever you have a pride and maybe for some reason not as many black people show up then it looks then it can look predominantly white or you know at least white presenting but then i think you know we try as a board and we try as um, just the things that we do to make sure we're always reaching back and incorporating other uh, the, the black um, perspective and you know, reaching out to those folks because we realize that between the, the barrier to entry because of costs and things like that, okay. that can be a huge, you know, that can be a huge barrier. I mean, to be honest, you know, they say cycling is an old white man sport. And I think it's people say that because, you know, a lot of times to get some of the nicest stuff, you know, you got to spend a lot more money and the people who have that money are typically older white dudes. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, we hope we're trying to change that narrative, but I hope people don't see that and just see, you know, the Otis is a white club or something like that. I, I would hope that it has a different perspective. I think in our city, our club probably has a like perspective of being friendly, welcoming, I think for the most part. But I have heard that it may not be as beginner friendly in some instances. Okay. And I think that's because maybe the Wednesday ride, which is like an all-class ride in the evening, may it could be a little fast, but I guess it depends on like who shows up. But it is still a city ride, so there's still stops at lights and things like that. Um, and I think the ebb and flow of riders that show or don't show kind of determines the pace. So if you happen to come during the night where like, all the better riders, better riders show up, then, and if you're a brand new rider, then yes, it may seem a little fast. Um, but, you know, I'm the president now, but so now that I like know this, we do try to, like, we continue to do the bike 101. We really do try to do no drop on ride on the Wednesday ride if we can help it. But it is a city ride, and sometimes people get caught at lights, and it's hard to keep up um so we try not to lose people um and then on the weekends we know we have different rides where we'll describe exactly what that is and we have a good diversity of rides that may be on the trail partially on the trail or just on the road and then we'll describe like the pace level and then knowing having the foresight or even just recognizing that we needed an even easier ride I think I took a page from 
I don't know if it's Detroit or something, but they have like a slow roll. I don't know if it's Detroit, Cleveland, but I know there were a couple other places had a slow roll. And I was like, you know, we should bring this to Pittsburgh. And so probably about like three years ago now, or about at least three years, yeah, about three years ago, I was like, you know, we, did, we should have our slow roll. So I started having a slow roll. So we do a slow roll on Mondays, two times a month, starting in like April. And it goes from April to um, October. So as a club, we're having almost, you know, three rides a week um, at any given moment. And, you know, we have different ride leaders. So we do try to cater to the different types of riders and try not to be one way or the other. But you know what happens when you end up doing a thing, you end up acquiring more gear, you end up having more stuff. So anytime you have someone new comes in, they do look at everybody and be like, dang they all this this gear on <laughs> and so it i think that can be intimidating depending on your person depending on the person right that can be intimidating but i really try to stress people enter you know come wherever you are like you know start riding where at whatever point that you're that you come in at because don't get too caught up on what's you know what somebody else is doing right um just just focus on you and go from there and um, we always tell people, if there's a ride that you want to see, then let's lead it. Like, you know, you lead it and we'll help you do it. Right. Um, and that's how you get more ride leaders. So the onus of leading rides is not all on me. It's not all on the board either. We have that dispersed across many members of the club. So we have that's why we get to have so many different types of rides and people can go to whatever they want to. So what's the benefits, uh, yo, what's the major benefits of, uh, no pun intended, but what's the the key benefits of being a part of a, a cycling club? And I see right now with, um, I mean, obviously learning all the stuff that you mentioned, maintaining a bike, uh, how to ride properly, and, you know, etiquette on the road and all of that type of stuff. But like what's I don't know and, and then we have stuff like right now You know Peloton is doing what it's doing And Mirror with all of the community Based type uh, You know the Community elements that help people Stay you know on task Or you know maintain their commitment To their fitness and whatever But what's the, the key benefits of uh, You know anybody considering Joining a uh, any organization But I guess specifically Major Taylor For us it, I think it's the social aspect, which I think you can get without even being a member, to be honest. <laughs> but I think, you know, you're guaranteed insurance is one. That's like a big thing. If you come on our rides, if anything ever happens, you're covered under the club insurance. Oh, okay. By being a member, which is was huge. I mean, we hope that people will never have to use it. The other thing is that there's we have club picnics. We do like little end of the year giveaways, like for best rider, most mileage, stuff like that. We also do um, like the bike one on one for our members, and we'll also do other events. So usually we do picnic, a holiday party, and the bike one on one at the minimum, at the bare minimum. Uh, last year was the first year we did like less of that for obvious reasons. Like we didn't do a holiday party because. Okay. They want to be indoors, so we only did a picnic. Where before we would do like a partially catered picnic, but last year we did a fully catered picnic because we knew we weren't having a holiday party. 
And I think we you know we'll probably do that again to do a fully catered major Taylor picnic, and people don't have to worry about eating. You just go on a ride and come back to food, <laughs> which is nice. Um, and so, like, I think that's another added benefit, and I think just awareness and information sharing. But our cost of entry is pretty low; it's like twenty five dollars. Okay. So we try to keep it low, and of course, I guess even though it costs more money you know you get to be able to wear the major Taylor kit because you cannot be um you cannot buy our kit if you're not a member okay um because it's just a matter of representation like we need to know who was putting on our jersey who who were were these people um that's the club kit but we do have the mcdermott three-state kit that anyone can purchase and wear um but yeah as far as the club kit we have like parameters as far as who's like representing us but it's not as strict as some other clubs i won't say no names but some other clubs you got to go through a real vetting process to even become a member okay but we keep it really low and we always try to have some community give back you know also like cleanups um and things like that and so we always try to like look up for the person and we have the option of if you're a member of our club and maybe your bike goes down we do have extra bikes on hand that our members can borrow but that's a member benefit only <laughs> you know so um so so stuff like that yeah that's dope that's dope i'm gonna take a pause right there and uh this is really gonna stop and and go on this but i want to definitely get into your uh this trip uh that you this this bike pack that you just did so take this quick pause We're back with Shaquaya Bailey talking, getting ready to dig into this phenomenal uh, undertaking. I, I, I read it a couple of times. Like, why would anybody do that? But it was it was dope though. But um, what, where did you get this this idea to do this trip to ride from uh, Pittsburgh to DC and, and, and back to Pittsburgh? Well, I didn't ride back. I got driven oh, back. I, I thought okay, so. It would have been like six hundred and eighty some miles. Yeah, I thought that. I, had, I thought the <laughs> mileage was off when I thought it was a round trip thing. Okay, that makes more sense now. Okay, but where did the, yeah. where did you get the motivation? You know, or, or the thought to you know to set out to do that? Um, Major Taylor actually. Uh, so the club used to do a trip with the kids, and they used to ride from Pittsburgh, DC. Back when we had a program, we worked at a school called Phase On, but then. That was back before I had like as much PTO, but I, it's always been in the back of my mind that like, oh, I want to do something, do this. And then it got to be the point of like, okay, seeing what kind of bikes people take, I was like, I would have to have like a trailer and all this other stuff. And then I think I started getting into my own head about what I needed to be on the bike. And then there was a section of time too where I was racing all the time, and so I didn't have the time to do it, or I, maybe I just didn't make the time, rather. And then, you know, COVID happened, New Year, it was 2021. And it's like, well, hey, I'm going to do it. I got this awesome bike. I have, you know, people to support me, um, you know, ride with GPS and uh, live, um, SRAM, like, to have those, the, the equipment and the support 
to to fund it. I think that is that's massive. And then also to have the PTO, <laughs> to have the latitude and space in my job life to be able to be like, okay, I can take four days off of work to go do this thing and, and wear myself out. <laughs> and that's kind of where it came. <laughs> that's where that's where the, yeah yeah. So Major Taylor, but I had hear I heard about the route. It's so well traveled. Okay. That's why I chose it too because I'm like okay. I'm a woman, I'm a black woman doing this by myself. You know, what's the safest thing I could do to, and I was like, oh, this is the trail. And plus I had seen another black woman who did this by herself too. Okay. I was like, oh boss, but she did this solo and she actually um, YouTube her stuff too. And I was like, oh, I could do this. And I was like, I'm definitely... I saw her do it and I was like, oh, this is, it's really locked in. When I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, I could do this solo. And I I wanted to do it on my own timeline without having to compromise for somebody else, which is why, another reason why I did it by myself too. So how did you go about the uh, the preparation? I mean, it's, it's to me, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. Uh, I get 20 miles, 22 miles north. Like the, it, it happens to be the city where my job is located, but I get up there, uh, and, and that's kind of one of the points where you come out of the the trail, kind of comes closest to that major road. And uh, no pun again, but I'm um, I pop out there, and I, I I just have this sense of vulnerability because I'm like. 30 minutes away from my 30 miles away from my house uh you know on a bike and and that was just I just felt so vulnerable because you know usually I'm that far away from my home with the vehicle and and, mm. and so on and so forth and and, and and whatnot but um so what was your preparation and, and did you have a checklist or was it different groups of of concerns I mean because I'm thinking you got to power up the devices that you have food hygiene where did you get started with all of this? Yeah, I think first I'll probably address the a little bit of the and ask thing you said is about like getting ready for it mentally. Um, I've been writing, I think consistently since about 2011, mid 2011. Okay. But like maybe more serious, I would say 2013 for sure. And I've done a lot of because I've been commuting. I've done a lot of solo rides, a lot. Like, I enjoy riding with the people, but I've done a lot of solo rides. I've done a bike ride 120 miles in a day by myself. And, you know, to do an 80-mile ride, 60, 90, 100, whatever, solo is not out of the normal for me. A lot of people won't do that by themselves. So I think having that level of comfort to ride by yourself it's something that I've had for a while and I've built up I've built that up over years. And so then to go and to do a trip is, you know, I I was training anyway just to be fit for the upcoming season of, you know, racing and riding or whatever is to come. So I had been training for that. So in regards of how I prepared my body for that, I had been training, I had probably been doing at least at least maybe like eight hours of training a week at the minimum. Okay. So that means uh, Tuesday through Friday, I'm probably doing at least one hour of riding. And then on the weekend, that could vary 
to being maybe four hours over the weekend or it could be eight it depends on like what season we're in you know if i got ride outside on the weekend then it's not out of the norm to do you know two four-hour rides on saturday and sunday so um but because it's winter time i'm definitely doing less but i had always maintained doing indoor training um on the bike trainer i was riding a lot of uh like trainer road um and that's how I was maintaining my fitness. And then also I did watch a lot of YouTubes on other people who made other long journeys and stuff like that. I watched YouTube on how to like see what people's bike setups were, what kind of equipment they brought. And then um, with like the Black Foxes, like Jalen, he had done some um, bike packing trip. He had sent me a list of how he categorized what he was going to bring. Okay. And I think looking at what everyone did, seeing his list, because his was the only list that I legit got. Okay. And I used his list as a check mark of things I need to order. But I had got his list like months ago. So I was actually buying or acquiring, I would say, because I wasn't doing a lot of purchasing, but I was acquiring the items for this trip since September last okay. year. Okay. Because, yeah, because when you look at it, there's like a bag on my bike. My, it's like a bag on my bike that's probably like $167. That's just the rear bag. Right. Like, that's a lot of money for a bag that go in the back of a bike and it ain't even like a whole piece of luggage. What? Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? So, and then the the frame bag, I forgot how much that was, but like, I got that last year too. So I was literally acquiring like one piece of item per month. Okay. And then at the point in which I got to go time, whatever I didn't have, I either borrowed or I just went and got it. Um, like the tent and a couple of the other like attachments for the uh, bike, at the ba- uh, the bag attachments. I borrowed a few things and there's no harm in borrowing stuff, especially when you're going on a journey and you're not sure if you want to really fully invest. Cause I'm just talking about how long it took me to spend this money on this. And this is over, this is somebody who's actually doing this in a more economical way okay. like some people if you have the money they just drop all the money on it i'm talking this is how somebody who is thinking in an <laughs> economical way right is acquiring this stuff you doing it a little bit at a time and then you borrow what you can um and i would say for anybody who is looking to do this trip and they're not even sure if you have a friend circle of other cyclists Take stock of what people have and see what you can borrow. Some things it's not appropriate to borrow, right. but things like a tent, you know, that's cool. You know, not everyone might have a, not everyone has a, a one person tent that's so high quality that they probably spent like maybe 200 bucks on or something. Right. Like not everybody has that. Um, same thing for a sleeping bag. That's a certain type of sleeping bag that squishes down to being, I'm trying to think, is this water bottle? This water bottle, I don't know, you can't really tell, but I was able to get my sleeping bag to squish down to at least this size as far as like how far it was smushed down. Of course, it was wider than that, but that's tiny. Like to be able to fit that and then just attach it onto onto my bike on the side, like that's crazy. I'm like, my my other sleeping bag downstairs, you you know how big them things, them was like a barrel. Right. You know, you're thinking about like, in my mind, when I was first thinking about planning this, that sleeping bag was massive. I'm like, whoa, that's going to be a lot of weight. Right. But then you start looking at stuff and 
people let you use stuff. And you're like, oh, that thing smushed down that little what? And then you start seeing like other key things you could do on the bike of like getting a little air mattress. I saw people carrying yoga mats too. But then people was like, oh, you get this little little air mattress and it's like thin and you blow it up and that's your seat you're sleeping on a nice cushy thing and so you're not on the ground and you have better sleep they got little air mattress like pillows i'm like what so i, I didn't even get the pillow because i didn't i didn't worry about it till too late and i didn't feel like paying for it at the last minute i was like i'll just use my clothes rolled up in a stuff sack and use that as a pillow so that's that's what i use it as a pillow but like just preparation had made a list youtube looked at what other people's lists were and um i think if you don't have someone who who could send you a list most people will um do a blog of their bike pack journeys and they'll actually list everything that they even had okay and you could just copy from that and see what you have of that list and just you know copy into it um google sheets and then track all your stuff and um use that as a way of marking off the things that you need to get and some things you don't need everything that somebody have on their list either um and also i thought about when you go on a trip what are you going to eat and right. how are you going to sustain your body and right because i knew okay i want to do this trip because i the trail itself was like 333 some miles or something like that but it ended up being a little more than that because part of the trail was closed okay but you didn't know that ahead of time no i did i okay, did okay, okay um but because of the timing and what work and a couple other things i just couldn't switch my stuff and so uh i like looked at okay well i want to do these 330 some miles ish in four days and i looked at what my fitness level or what i thought my fitness level was with the how much weight i was gonna carry i didn't weigh my bike but I was like, based on what other people say, I think I could do a hundred miles a day, maybe. And then the last day I could do like maybe 30 or something. Okay. And it turned out to be like 109, 80 something, 80 something, and then 62. But I ran into some issues, which is why I kind of went longer. But I kind of anticipated that, okay, if I feel, if I don't feel as good, this is where I'll be stopping. This is where my mile marker will be, and I'll end up having to do this and this. So you know, you do have like backup plans, and I think it's key to you, when you pick a route, know that route, get a map, learn as much as you can about it. And because this this route is so well traveled, there's maps. There's a whole book. Oh, I actually have it here still because I'm at my desk. But they had this thing called this trail guide, probably. Okay like this thing um it's called trail guide for official guide to the cno canal uh towpath and great allegheny passage like this thing came with a map that like folded out and in the book they really list all the features each like at the mile points they list places to stay they list stuff in the town like they go in this book this is a tourist attraction they want you to come and do this thing over and over and want you to spend your money so they've invested a lot into making a good set of resources and of course youtube so many people have done it you can hear their first-hand experiences you can see you can see it 
you know, on video. And I think that really helps too for so anybody that, who's doing it. So if that, you don't have time to read. That book right there is is specifically for that that trip right there that you did? Mm-hmm. For okay. that those two trails. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what did your either your your parents or family members, siblings, or any you know, you told some somebody at the at the outset of this, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> what did they think? I only told my girlfriend for real that I was really doing it early. Okay. Everyone else, I didn't even tell until like two days before. Okay. Because I didn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear by his mouth. <laughs> and you know, because you know, he'll be freaking out. You about to do what? Right. Oh, uh uh-uh. uh. I'm coming behind that. I'm going to follow you. On the, I'm going to follow right behind you. I'm going to drive my car. I'm like, I'm like, Mom, you cannot be following behind me. <laughs> on the trail this is no cars allowed one um but she was definitely she was freaking out autumn wasn't happy either but she was like i already know you i know you're gonna do it so she support as much you know she was support supportive and now does she ride um, it all hmm? does she ride it all Lord? nope not really she'll ride whenever i beg her to okay, I'll okay. Be, i'd be like it's my birthday you gonna do the ride? It's like last year we did a slow roll. The slow roll happened to fall on my birthday, and I was like, "You know my birthday, you can't tell me no." So she did a slow roll then, but she'll probably ride once or twice a year. Okay, she got a bike, but she don't be riding. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but most everyone was freaking out. My my family and friends, especially the black people, they said, "You about to go do what?" <laughs> Mm-mm. But if I was telling anybody else, you know, most of my white friends, they was like, oh, that's cool. That's what's up. Right. But I think a lot of my white friends, even them, I think the women, a lot of the women, even they wouldn't have done it by themselves. And I think that's a, that's like more of a woman's mentality to not do something solo because, you know, you fear for your safety. Um, But any of the guys that I mentioned it to, they was like, oh, that's dope. Like, if the, like the, white, the white guys who ride, they was like, oh, that's dope. That's what's up. Like, you know, not even blinking at it. Right. But everybody else was like, you know, they were like, oh, wow. See, you doing that shit. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if this is uh, for the kids or not. I bet. Gotcha. So, what did you do as far as like uh, safety? Uh, I mean, you know, for your to re- bike repairs, you know, for those types of situations. And then for your personal safety, because like you said, you are a black woman. A lot of rural areas that you're going through. We're in this crazy ass climate right now with a lot of stuff. Um, and then I th- did you stay? You, you you slept outside all three nights or whatever. Um, so I didn't sleep out all two, all three. I only did two, but only I have to say only because my gear got wet and it got super cold, and I probably would have like got hypothermia. Okay. Once that day, like going into the third night, on the bike most of the day, I was like, whenever the sun wasn't literally on me, I was like shivering. Okay. My clothes were damp. It was it was raining and snowing, and then when it wasn't snowing, it just got cold. I was like dying. And when I really fully stopped in that evening, like at Harper's Ferry, I was like shaking. Like my feet felt like blocks of ice. Like I was so cold. That like ever be so cold where your um my toes start to turn a different color and you actually have to warm your body up slow or it feels like stinging needles. 
Um, but I was going through change. Like it was, it was painful. So I had to stay at a place okay. because my sleeping bag was wet. My tent was wet. Everything was soaked in my extra clothes and the clothes I was wearing. It was just inadequate. It would have been stupid just to try to prove a point. So I, I didn't. And I had no way to make a fire because all of the, uh, unless it was an actual park. I mean, if I was staying at an actual campground that had their own firewood, uh-huh. I would have been able to make, make a fire. But I, I, it was too much of a struggle. And I didn't have the energy to be able to do that. So I did not stay outside the third night. Okay. But the first two, I did. And I actually felt pretty safe. But I did bring... Um, I am a gun owner. Okay. But I did not bring a weapon because I don't have a license to carry concealed. Okay. And then also... I was crossing state lines. Right. And right. so when you cross state lines, you need to know what those laws are. And exactly. I didn't want to worry about anything. But, you know, technically, I'm sure I, I could have just brought it and been like, whatever, whatever. Right. But I was like, you know what? I don't want to have to deal with that. And I feel like if you bring a weapon, you have to also be prepared to use it. Correct. Correct. And I wasn't really mentally prepared to use it because I also need to work on just getting more practice at the range you know it's hard to get bullets but anyway it's a shortage <laughs> um so uh, cycling and uh armed and, and, and whatever that's called but yeah there's a so but i brought a knife i have a mace a bear mace because it has a longer range okay of of where you can spray it um and then that was it really i it was not that prepared weapon wise okay uh said a prayer <laughs> You know, just hoping for the best. I, you know, I got I was fortunate. You know, to have nothing happen, and I felt also pretty safe. The first campground wasn't an official campground, and it like I had to pay for it. It was like fifteen bucks. Okay. And so it was cheap, but like I was able to make a fire. It was easy. And then um, the second campground was a hiker biker campground. In which case, it has like a table. It has bags for trash, and there's like a porter. Um, the outdoor potty that you can use and then there's like a metal grate in the center where you can actually make a fire so it okay. doesn't spread but that's all they had there was nothing it was just like a rent it's like a site and they had a bunch of these along the cno canal okay. trail and um because it was I, I think i was counting on too because it was early in the season like really it hadn't really started the season for real for people to be doing it right trip. Because it was so early, because of the temperature, I felt pretty comfortable that there weren't too many people out to really bother me. Because it was chilly, it was it did get chilly, and you know, I felt pretty safe in that regard. Um, I just, yeah, everyone, and I think even I was riding on the trail, there would be sections where like hours I wouldn't see anyone. Like I would just literally be riding and I see a soul. So I think that's another reason why I was able to have some comfort, be like, okay, we're just really nobody out here. And anybody that I did see, fully loaded with hiker gear, walking in another direction. Right. And anybody that I saw on the bike, they didn't. They weren't geared up like I was. So you could pretty much tell they weren't out for an overnight stay. They were just out for the like a quick jaunt on a section of the trail, and they were going home. Right. Um. So I guess I was just taking a leap on faith for that. I didn't prepare a whole lot. I mean, I had my phone near me. But in a, I think the in the, the second instance, the second night, 
I have no reception at all, like for miles around me. And when I got to this zone, I literally had no reception for hours. Like it was so, and I think in the future, I would get one of those, um, I think it's called like a beacon or something. Okay. Um, there's a couple after the fact, I did do some research, but they were before the trip and I saw how much they cost. I was like, yowza. Right. Uh, maybe I'll need that because this trail is really popular. <laughs> but I think if I do it again in somewhere more remote, especially for myself, I'm going to get one of those beacons because it allows, it's just basically like a satellite connection and it allows you to communicate with people not relying on a cellular collection, connection. Okay. Okay. So I'll definitely get one of those because not be, this, like, it's like a peace of mind, you know what I mean? To, to have someone to reach out to. See, when I was when I was thinking about it, you know, when I saw your post and whatnot, I guess that was that was a major concern for me was that I sleep so heavy. Uh, so being outside, you know, exposed to the outdoors and whatnot, uh, whether it was animal or people, you know, I just I sleep heavy as hell. So I just I would I would have felt, you know, again, so vulnerable. But um, how did you, you, you still sleep heavy even if you camp outside? Have you tried it? Well, it's been a long... I probably haven't camped out since I've probably been a teenager or something. So maybe... Actually, when I was in the arms... When I was in the Navy, uh, yeah, I slept heavy. I still... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, so that's, I feel like your body reacts differently. When you in the... It's like an innate sense. When your body realizes that you were somewhere where it needs to be on alert, I sleep heavier too. But my body was like... It was more on high alert. So I would wake a lot easier. And so I think maybe you discount yourself, your yeah, natural senses, but if you're point. out there and you see, you're not in the bed anymore either. Imagine being on a sleeping bag in a tent. It's different. You're not going to sleep the same either. So you're like, you're more awareness. You're like, I feel like you'd sleep lighter. You're just more aware. And then, you know, when I was sleeping in a tent, I had my knife like right at the, he- at the head of my tent. Okay. So like, I was my head, my hands, like where my hands were. So as soon as I woke up, I had like knife, mace, phone. You know what I mean? Like okay. they were all like close. <laughs> gotcha. How did you manage your power like when you needed to recharge stuff? Oh, um, you, you can get one of those power blocks. Okay. I had a um a solar power one, but you can get a power block and I believe Anytime, well, I've charged it up big time. I actually brought two power blocks. I had one that's smaller, less substantial, and I had a bigger one. And I tried to limit phone usage um, to what I really needed. Another key thing is to turn off all those freaking notifications on your device. Right. Because it just sucks the juice out. Um, And if you can and you want to have music try to have a separate system for playing your music so if you had an old phone that you know is just a phone that's a garbage phone and you could use that as basically a music device and you can load all your music on it beforehand and you can use that to play your music without having to drain your main source of emergency device which is your cell phone okay so I would say definitely do that if you ask the luxury, you know, if you have a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think if you stop anywhere, if you plan your stops and you're stopping in a town, 
that has like nice bathrooms and nice setup or say you're actually going to get lunch in the town and you're going to sit down and eat you bring your charger plug your stuff in at wherever you're stopping at the bathroom stop if it's really nice you're hanging out and relaxing make sure your stops are where you can plug things in and i think that'll save your juice because the first two nights because you know it was three nights total but the two nights i had no electricity in the evenings there wasn't there wasn't any so the fact that i had the power uh packs and you know i limit my usage i did use my phone like crazy for taking pictures but it charged really good with the um charging pack okay and then also when i stopped at two locations i think between both between the first day second and third like i think each of the first three days or something like that there was a place where i was able to get a little bit of juice from a stop and so i was wise about oh i'm stopping boom plug in the plug in the johns and then maybe i wasn't plugging in my phone or maybe i was only charging my charger packs so that my charger packs had juice even if i didn't charge my phone at the time but usually i would charge a charger pack and i would charge my phone and then i was i was good gotcha uh favorite experience out of the four days and uh worst experience uh i would say favorite know, there's a couple most memorable was climbing the mountain okay <laughs> that was the best and the worst um because it was a chance to see the mount savage tunnel entry i didn't actually get to go through it but because that's the part that was closed okay, okay um but i went up over the mountain i think that's so memorable because how many people say that they hiked the bike over the mountain not many and then I did it solo and then I didn't have reception and I had to figure out how to do it using my like compass on the Wahoo <laughs> with a map and you ever used a compass before? Nah, not really. <laughs> and if I had it's been a long time. You know, but I was like, Well, I ain't no dummy. Right. And I know I'm going south and I'm coming from north. <laughs> so <laughs> You know, you just point, okay, it's going this way, point, point, oh, that's going, uh, 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 okay. And then, you know, you use common sense of like, okay, here's a road, here's an obvious path. Um, okay, follow that. Oh, it's blocked. Okay, don't follow that. All right, let's uh, redo. I think that was, that was probably the time I was the most scared too. Only because I climbed the mountain, I didn't have reception, I didn't have a way to reach anyone. And I'm like, oh my God. I had a moment of panic. I was like, what happens if... I get stuck on this mountain or I was being extra ridiculous at a one brief moment but I was like no snap out of it um because I can be a pretty logical person and so I was like no you got this just take stock look at your surroundings take a moment take a beat look at the map see what town I was like okay I need to go to Frostburg this is this is kind of like southwest of the trail or something like that and I was like, all right, this is what you got to do. And then, you know, went from there. But there were some other cool features, I think. And people will tell you, like, the Paw Paw Tunnel. I, I know why people keep talking about it. It is actually pretty amazing. Okay. This tunnel has been, like, it's built by hand. Okay. Every brick was laid by hand. 
And when you go through it, to think about someone physically laying every brick is like mind boggling. And then to think of like the labor, the sweat, the tears, the pain it took to build it is like amazing when you think about when you when you go through it. Um how long of a stretch that, is that? Huh? huh? How long of a stretch is that? The Paw Paw Tunnel isn't that long, but it's not even like a full mile, I don't think. But it's a nice length of a tunnel. Okay. But it's pretty popular and it's really cool. And it can that can kind of freak people out too. Because it's literally like this little pathway you're riding on. Maybe it's a little wider. But it's this pathway you're riding on. And it undulates. Like it's uneven. Okay. Imagine like riding on like wavy pavement with a wooden barrier to your left. With just like, it looks janky. And then there's water on the other side of that. Oh, wow. And, and there's, and it's because it's a canal. And then like it's like this wavy pavement, and I'm because I rode it. I rode through the tunnel. So I was like, "You rode through the tunnel?" I was like, "Yeah. Why would I walk through the tunnel?" Right. And so, um, yeah, it's like this wavy, undulating, not eat, not like in a systematic way. You're just riding along, and you just have to make sure you have your hand on hands on the bike. You're aware, and then it gets dark, so you gotta have lights. So that could be freaky. And there's a point in which you're like right in the center and you can almost like the light gets really little and you're like, oh snap, I'm like right in the middle. It's dark. Anything. That's when you think about maybe like if you get freaked out easy, you could think you ever remember a swamp thing or something? Like mm-hmm. but, so it kind of makes you think like dang, somebody's like that, something like that could like come out and, <laughs> and you think extra, like could come out and grab you, you go. Like stuff like that could get you all the way turned up if you if you if you let it. Uh and another thing that was really nice was the Great Falls. Okay. That was like way further down. You're closer to DC. But it was beautiful. Like the the Great Falls, it was just like I mean, some, who who could beat a, a waterfall? Big Russian waterfall. But and it was so it was very like much built up for tourism. Because okay. they have this um walk path that goes over the waterfall. There was like when I got there, it was like the middle of the day all these tourists uh but those were like the best things like big uh, mount savage going over that and then the pawpaw tunnel and definitely um the great falls they were like really really i think being cold was the downside okay like being cold and wet and shivering i think that was like the downside what part like i don't know where like maybe the novelty of it died off and it was like I'm really in the shit or was there any moment like I don't you know, I don't want to do this shit right now or my your attitude changed towards it or uh, anything like you know it, it was there any point when you faced any like adversity of like maybe I, I, I maybe I this is maybe I didn't really want to do this I didn't have a, I didn't want to do this but I definitely had moments where I was like oh my god <laughs> and that was I think that was day three Oh, well, you made it pretty far then. Because it was so cold that day. Okay. Because I had experienced, like, the rain, the snow, the wetness, freezing. And then, like, there was sections and, like, this of the 
So the CNO, it's called the Chesapeake and Ohio Towpath Canal Trail. So they call it CNO Trail. So that trail is like 184 miles long. And there's that was a point of day three is when I was like, this trail is boring. I was kind of PO'd because for large chunks of that trail, it was like the same thing over and over. It was like, there's no cool features. It was so boring for a long time. I kept I kept feeling like I was in like uh, Groundhog Day. We keep seeing the same thing over and over. I was like, oh my God, it's never over. It never ends. <laughs> and then because I'm on this bike and I'm carrying all this stuff, I'm going slow. And I'm cold too. I'm cold and I'm wet. And then my mood is starting to sour. And my shorts, uh, this is the day I wore different shorts. And I thought I would be good because they were like fresh shorts and they were dry, uh-huh. but they ended up not, they ended up being actually too big. And so they ended up riding up okay. and then they ended up being an issue too. So that my shorts between the weather being wet, cold, the shorts riding up, causing saddle sores. Like I was like annoyed and the trail being the same. I was getting so PO'd, but then you, you talk to yourself and you're like, all right, get it together see the joy see the see the peace you know and that's when like i tried to make sure i was intentional you're not in a race so i stopped a lot okay every time i saw something that was cool stop and took a picture you know of course you got to go to the bathroom you just pull over and go pee um and then and that wasn't really an issue because when you're putting your body through the paces at least for me my body didn't even have a time to really adjust and so I never even had a movement until I got to the end for night three. Oh, okay. So well, I think convenient. the next day, yeah, night three, actually it was night, it was day four. Day four was the day I even had a movement. And that's a lot of TMI, but that's the real life of it. Right. But right. that's because my body was really like, oh, you did 109 miles this day, doing 80 something this day. You did 80 something this day. Nah, we need to hold on to whatever we got in us until we see what's happening. <laughs> right. And so that's that's what happened. My body was like, no, we don't know what's going to come next. But then once I stayed at the end, I had a shower, I washed my clothes. I was able to really take care of myself in a way that, you know, you can't do camping. Right. I slept in the bed, woke up, you know, and then had a little breakfast. So then my body was like, oh, we good. Right. And so that was like a good reset and that was a good reset mentally because even though it was still cold leaving i was like nah i felt refreshed because you know after sleeping after camping two nights in a row and then dealing with the, all the weather and the problems that i had then going in the bed and feeling refreshed and you just get like a fresh start on the day you know right. you just feel real good and it's the last day too so you're like ah only got knowing that you only had 60 miles left pretty much it was like 62 but you know it's like only got 60 miles i got this you know the other days was 80 plus right right. so that was like a mental release too and knowing that that's the final day you're gonna see the end and it was like yes and that was like that's when you start clicking all gears and even though it was like a period where it's like it's the same thing for a period (laughs) i couldn't even get too stuck in it because they actually started to warm up a bit too that day the sun was out a bit more and you also got to put your mind to seeing the good too like i wasn't like stewing in whatever was not the best parts i was intentionally looking for some of the best parts of the trail of the day and stopping a lot 
because your butt can't get as sore if you stop a lot i stopped took pictures at everything that i thought was cool like i think for and somewhere in between maybe day two or day three i didn't there's a couple instances i didn't stop because i was like i gotta get to where i'm going but <laughs> there was a couple cool pictures that i wish i had taken okay but i didn't so you know i was like you know what it's not a race. I'm going to stop. Everyone need to stop. Because, like, there's nobody here rushing me. Right. It's just me. And then um, that final day, I found a good groove, too. I found the perfect groove and seating and placement I need to be on the bike without having no pain either. Once you find that, you just clicking on all gears. Like, everything was just going. And I constantly eat on the bike. I think in preparation, like, because I'm a person who is used to training, I'm not saying that with a pro or nothing, but I'm used to training. I'm used to eating on the bike, used to long solo rides. I was used to like making sure I ate. And if you eat things that you like eating, that makes it easy to eat. And I brought real food. Like I had apples and clementines and I had brought those packs of tuna that come in the full packages. Uh I had those. I had um, granola bars and stuff too. I had some candy, like I had gummy bears, but nothing too crazy. I tried to be like, eat food that wasn't going to drain me too much. Because sometimes when you eat food that just saps your energy, that's bad because it's not giving you energy that you need for the bike. Right. So just being intentional about how food makes you feel. Um, but that's been years in the making for me to know what foods make me feel bad. Okay, okay. Did- did the did the did the additional weight did that ever get frustrating for you that maybe you weren't able to get to the speed that you're accustomed to riding yet? Did that frustrate you at all? It shocked me. I don't think I was as frustrated. It was like shocking because I would be like, "I got it. Ooh, I'm moving," <laughs> and then I look down. Like I was going. I thought I was booking, booking. I looked down, fourteen, maybe fifteen miles per hour. <laughs> And the point at which the last day, when I told you that I, like, I found my groove, my, my good sweet spot, uh-huh. I maybe hit 16 miles per hour. <laughs> but that felt fast on that bike with the, all that gear. Okay. And that was probably the fastest I had to even moved. Besides going down a legit hill, that was the fastest I had moved that entire time. But it's you really got to reset your expectations. If you, if you somebody... Who on average, and even on a Pittsburgh ride, of you know, on average you're doing a hilly ride, and you know, I don't know, say you averaging 18, 19, 20, depending on how flat, how flat it is, and how strong you feel on that day. If you're averaging 18, 19, 20, you got to move all the way back and with all that gear. When you do this trail, or when you're doing bike packing, period. So this trail is considered very flat. Okay. And so for this trail to be considered very flat, it's it's typical. People be averaging 10 miles per hour. That is normal. Yeah. And so for you to be doing, if at any point in time on the trail, you're hitting 16 or 17, you're probably doing a downhill. Okay. And I'm usually the type of person that likes to pedal on the downhills. Not on this I actually, well, there's one time I pedaled on the downhill, but that was like a big, big downhill. And that was when I was leaving the town of Frostburg to go to Cumberland. But outside of that, anytime on the trail, I was going down. I used that opportunity to stand up, 
to shake it out mm-hmm. to you know because the trail was so flat there was besides me getting off the bike there was no point in which i even was out of the saddle jostling because the trail was so flat um and then plus it's hard to even get out of the saddle and ride because think you got the gear on your your bike i got the saddle bag the top two bag i got the things on the rear i mean on the um on the fork uh-huh. on the front so to even have the mobility to even jostle out of the saddle is not even as comfortable because my knees will be hitting okay so you really are going to have the same kind of movement that you would out of the saddle so if i stood up i just stand up okay and I'll, I'll like stretch my back, stretch, you know, do the couple of things that you would do and then stretch a calf muscle, you know, give your butt a rest. And then oh, when that section is done, sit back down. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So just one more question, and then I'm going to shut down this live stream. But then I'll before you I do want to come back and just talk about what you're doing. Um, it sounds like you work with some kids or some stuff and, and, and maybe some, touch on black foxes. Uh, just that'll just strictly be on it's always personal but um what was there any kind of reception set up for you once you got to dc by the people that were meeting you what what Um, happened when you crossed this finish line or whatever oh yeah autumn was there she decided to start like meet me at this and she sent me off at the start and then she was like oh she decided to meet me down in dc so she was actually at mile zero and the start and the finish so she was actually there she was waiting she was all happy smiling and she had her camera she's recording but she's actually what helped me find the final endpoint because it wasn't easy to find okay yeah and so she was okay like, hey, when i got to the town i mean not town dc so i got to the city and i was actually there it was actually hard to navigate and they do tell you it's hard to find but i was like Oh, I'll be able to find it. <laughs> Trying to be arrogant, but yeah, don't do that because it was really hard to find, and I actually missed the turn because it wasn't obvious. They don't label it good, and she was um when I missed the turn and I was riding down and I was like, oh snap, that's autumn, and I was like, oh, I'm going the wrong way, so I had to. That's how I knew I had to go around. Okay, and I saw her at the, so she helped, and then we we ended up staying there one night in DC. To like rest and recover and then you know, went home next day but that was like the, the welcome reception of you know having her there and that was enough for me um because like i you know i was willing to do it by myself so having somebody there was nice for sure okay all right well like i said i'm gonna stop this live stream real quick no questions came in but it'll be out there you know in case uh somebody will be two or three months from now get some comment <laughs> about something <laughs> about something on this video and i'm like i don't know i talked to her you know four or five months ago but um but i do want to come back on this last section and just kind of dig into um you you've mentioned racing and and just kind of close out with 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 your uh regular uh cycling and whatnot so do that in just a second All right, so just finishing up with Shaquaya Bailey. Uh, we just finished talking about her 330-plus mile uh, voyage from on bike from Pittsburgh to uh, D.C. And um, good stuff. 
uh, I, I do plan on hitting 60 miles. I really hadn't stated a goal yet, but uh, this is, like I said, this is my second season riding. I'm pretty much just riding on the bike trails. Um, from what I understand, Ohio has one of the better uh, bike trail connected, whatever you want to call it. Actually, I got the uh, brochure over here, but that's from what I understand. Um, I did get to 40 miles last year for my longest ride, maybe a little over 40, but I think uh, I might aim for 60 um, this year or, you know, wherever it goes, depending on how uh, consistent I am. But um, what I wanted to talk to you about before you get on off of here was just kind of what you're doing with your cycling. Uh, you, you mentioned racing some. You missed it, mentioned riding for different distances that I haven't hit yet. And then also I wanted to get into, uh, you mentioned, or I saw something on your Instagram account about uh, having some kids out on the, the, the route with you or ride with you. So I wanted to focus on those two areas. What are you doing? What's your week to week or monthly focus with your cycle? Uh, so right now, I mean, racing just started up. <laughs> I just did that trip. I'm still trying to recover from that. <laughs> I don't know what my legs are doing. It's like they're in a weird place. It's like I haven't even been riding a bike. I don't know what's going on. But either way, you know, we'll, we'll bounce back. I'm th- rethinking. I'm having literally I just had a race Tuesday and I was like, dang. Maybe I need to get a coach again because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think getting a coach is important, but I think my goals were like all over the place. And I was like, I don't know if I should spend money on a coach right now. And I'm actually glad I didn't have one for 2020 because it wasn't a race anyway. But yeah, so I uh, started racing again. I'm on a new team, La Prima. Um, I switched to La Prima Espresso Company and I actually switched to them in hopes that maybe more road racing will come back this year. So we'll have uh, a team, a cohesive team to race with. And the benefit of having a team that is uh, from a city that you're in is that you have an increased chance of riding together, learning each other's riding styles. And so when you go on the road to race, then you're comfortable with each other. And um, you can kind of know each other without having to speak too much okay um it's about like building that cohesive cohesiveness and rapport and i've been riding with uh these women for years or we actually were competing against each other for years <laughs> <laughs> and so uh you know i think this scene in pittsburgh changed a lot but um we have like less women riders now it seems than before as far as in teams and races okay. but um yeah, so racing with them and hopefully we'll get to travel and do some things. But I'm also keeping it loose and that um, locally we race at the Allegheny Cycling Association race um, that happens at the Bud Harris Racetrack. And that's like the weekly series where you just kind of like test your fitness and you practice. You practice tactics, you test yourself. It's just a good training race. This is where you, this is the race where you go, you try something, you make mistakes. That's where you do it. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, but yeah, and I'll be doing a couple events. I did a couple. I get two gravel races already. I'm also doing Unbound. And I'm also doing um, SBT Gravel, uh, Steamboat Gravel. Um, Unbound, I'm doing the 100 mile distance. And Steamboat, 
I'm doing the 144. And then, of course, sprinkling in there some road and crit races. And then I'm also doing uh, some black boxes, things coming up where we'll just get together. We'll hang out and um, have fun. And then just locally, I help out with um, Pittsburgh Youth Leadership. And it's a non-profit that I was already mentoring with just on the trips. And basically, the goal for that program is typically just to use bikes pretty much as a vehicle so kids can see a different side of the country from like a different perspective and using the bike and tool as a tool to get places and um you get a sense of accomplishment through that because usually the trips are maybe from like Pittsburgh to Niagara Falls or Pittsburgh or just outside of Pittsburgh to Cincinnati um and those are the two trips that I've did with the girls and then there was a co-ed trip that we did from Pittsburgh to like West Virginia or somewhere and that was like a weekend trip but it just creates a sense of accomplishment and uh pride for the youth um and so I was a mentor on those trips and the boys they do way more trips they go like so many places you have to check their website to really like see all the places they go but um I guess I think that with you know Legion doing their race thing and really making um cycling look cool okay which is what I like to do as well like when I get on a bike I want to look fly I want to look so dope I want to look so fly but I might not be the fastest person but I look good doing it don't I <laughs> so like that. <laughs> But that's like, you know, black people. We always like to look good. So. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, we just want to add the sauce to it. Just like, hey, we're not even the fastest, but we just put it a sauce. We just look good. Um, but with Legion, they make it look good and they're fast. Um, but I think some of the kids had saw that last year and got excited and said that they might want to race. And so Mark came to me like late last year and said, hey, you know. We got a couple kids who might want to race. We're going to offer it to all the kids to see, you know, what they, you know, if they want to do it. And over the winter, we actually had done some training rides, and we were riding outside. It was cold, but then once it started getting like icy, we didn't ride. But Mark had even gone as far as giving all the kids bikes to ride and trainers or uh, rollers to ride at the house. Okay. And that didn't really work out so well. A lot of those kids, and I don't say kids because actually a lot of them are in college. Um, but they just had, you know, other priorities. Some of you're in college trying to finish school, right. gotta work still. And so a lot of them kind of fell out of it. But recently we got a recommitment of some new youth um, from Westinghouse. Um, Westinghouse, uh, their track team, uh, running track team. And uh, from them, it's just like a whole new group of kids with new energy. And they was like, yeah, we want to race. Let's give it a go. And so uh, a few of them, I don't think they're the same set, but a few did this gravel race uh, some weeks back. Well, I guess about uh, more than a month ago now. And then we had some come out and do another gravel race. And they were excited about that. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, the road series, the weekly road series is coming up. The, the local crit series is coming up. 
you know, y'all can try that. And so that race just happened on Tuesday and they even gave it a go. And they actually had did a track meet that same day. Oh, wow. They literally went to the track meet, got food, came to this race, this bicycle race and came and raced that. And so, you know, they didn't win or anything, but it was their first event. They handled themselves well. They, you know, they got dropped, but they kept riding. And, you know, you finish strong. And so that's like the biggest step is to show up and keep riding even when it gets tough. And they did that. And that's exciting. Um, And the cycling scene in Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh is very white. But I do have to say the cycling scene here is still very supportive. Um, So even though it is very white, I've always had really supportive people around me and my race was never an issue as far as how I got treated. Um, It just wasn't black people down there for real. But, you know, that wasn't that wasn't the barrier or anything. It was just like, oh, there's these people. They're nice. Everyone's trying to help you. They're trying to help everybody if you're new. I just happen to be the only black female. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Have you um, seen an uptick? You said you've been doing this since like 2011, 2013 or something. Have you seen an improvement in the number of, um, you know, black riders and, and, and whatnot? Mm-hmm. And female Definitely. and female riders specifically. Yes. So with Black Girls Do Bike, I, that helped a huge ton. So the woman, Monica Garrison, who's actually from Pittsburgh, she started Black Girls Do Bike. That created a freaking boom when she started that group and when did like that major start? Taylor, hmm? and when did that start i don't know the start but major taylor had already been around like okay. major taylor started in like 04 or okay. something 04 06 but that club had been around so long and for some reason there was a disconnect of them not reaching a black women that much okay even though it was started by black men go figure but when Monica came in, boom. It was called Black Girls Do Bike. She created this group. Black women. I think it just helped that women had another woman to invite them out. Right. Instead of like maybe having a guy like mansplain. And so it's different when women say, hey, you want to come out and ride? Versus a man saying, you want to come out and ride? And so it just created this whole culture of like women just want to come ride with each other and it's so supportive um and Mona she doesn't ride a ton but she created she started it and she created uh she rose and you have the shiro uh robin woods who was our local shiro who was really great at encouraging and getting other women to ride um and i think what's good is because monica is a heavyset woman um and she's black and she has kids and it showed people that no matter what your size is you can ride bikes too right and i think some people always thinking like oh man you gotta be all skinny you gotta be this (laughs) no and i think that's the other thing about major taylor that really attracted me to them is because when i first started riding i wasn't like no racer you know i was i've always been like thicker I mean, people kind of call me skinny now, but I don't think I am. But I was always on the heavier side, and I came to this club, and I was legit seeing other women who 200 pounds or whatever, riding a bike, riding up big A hills. And they weren't going fast, but they was riding. 
and they wasn't walking them either. Right. They were riding. And so in my club, you see all sorts of bodies on bikes. And that's what I love about Major Taylor. That's what Black Girls Do Bike was able to show as far as what black women. It wasn't about having skinny people on bikes. It was about having black women on bikes, no matter what your size, no matter what your age. And I mean, like the woman Robin, who's this local shero, she's like 60 plus years old. Oh, wow. And she's a boss. She is a boss on the bike. She's out there killing it. And Bruce Woods, who's the major, um, our major force youth program director now, who was the president for many years, who taught me so much. He is older too. Like the people that I'm around with, they be they're older and they're out there getting it. Okay. So when I see people who are my age or even younger, and they're like they're heavier and they put themselves down, like oh I can't ride a bike, I'm too fat or I'm too big, I can't do this. I be like, you don't <laughs> even know. I'm around with people who people look at them and they discount them, but that person will put you in the dirt because they are strong. And they ride and don't discount them. You know what I mean? And I think people count themselves out too much because you look up into body images, body okay. image stuff. Sorry, I got on a full tangent. But I, that's what, but Monica and Black Girls Dubai, like, that was the boom. That was the impetus to really encourage that. And I think because of that, we end up getting a lot more black women in our club. And Black Girls Bike still does their thing. And I'll ride with them sometimes too. Um, Are you a just member? Not as often. Are you a mm-hmm. member of Black Girls Do Bike there? Or... Yeah. Okay. And okay. it's not even like really a heavy requirement to be a member. Okay. You just have to okay. like be a black woman that bikes okay. and then you're a member for real. Okay. So they don't have like serious parameters, okay. which I, which is nice because not everyone wants to have to follow a bunch of rules just to be like a part of it. If you're a black woman and you ride bikes, yes, you are a Black Girls Do Bike member. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Good. So. Yeah, I, very I love informal that about it. then. V- very informal. Yeah, but other chapters are different. Okay, or they have they have different kind of like rules, and they might be have a little bit more requirements. But it's really about what the shiro, the local shiro, wants to create in okay. their city. Okay. Um, you mentioned black foxes. That's another uh, account that I stumbled across. Uh, it's funny because I don't have anybody else around me to talk to about any of this. Uh, but I'm like I said, I'm just, and that's one of the drawbacks is you asked me about Dayton's uh, Major Taylor, and I'm assuming that it's an older bunch, and maybe they aren't um, on Instagram, and I just think that could be a major drawback because people want to learn, st- you know, people learn about new stuff on their phones a lot uh, versus me trying to track them down, uh, or run into somebody in person. So that's kind of why I haven't looked into it as much as. Um, as, as I thought I would have Because the guy at the bike shop Told me about him uh, Last year But um, I'll get around to it When I I think I think I gotta go To like their website Maybe they have a website But they um, do. I'll look into it and and, and and at least find out What the schedule is But Black Foxes um, What is that about? We're just I think Black Foxes Is way more organic Than everything else There's less rules it's just a bunch of a group of eight folks who oh is that small um yeah um because it's just it's just us we all just have a common goal of wanting to be um 
black outdoors people amplifying positivity in okay. out the outdoor space. Okay. And just wanting to see more black faces, wanting to make connections um, with folks, uh, you know, being content creators, uh, just doing things authentically for ourselves, like for, kind of a food for us by us kind of thing, you okay. know, <laughs> and just, just wanting to see more of us and just make those connections. Um, at, yeah, I think with Legion and Black Girls Do Bike and the more we have of us, the more we can saturate it, the better. The more you take away the narrative of somebody hiking as a white thing or somebody biking as a white thing or somebody kayaking as a white thing, you know what I mean? Or somebody climbing as a white thing. You just, these are just something that somebody does. So the more you have of that, the more it's just, oh, you're climbing. That's what's up. Not, oh, you're climbing. Are you doing that? You know what I mean? You want to put a positive narrative behind it. You want to have representation. You want to see other people like you. Um, I think everyone does. No matter what you do, you always want to gather to people who are like you. And you want to see people who are like you in those spaces. And you want to not have to put on that face, that extra exterior. Yeah, and I think I I had a conversation with a partner on that last year. Um, I don't see a lot of black... I don't see a lot of black riders. And like I said, I'm in... um, I'm in the Dayton area, Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just at the tip of... I'm at the northern edge of Dayton. And so, uh, literally, like, right when I get out onto the to the routes that I'm in, that I go, when I go north, is like, literally, a sundown town. Like, I know a lot of people, that just became a thing uh, from Lovecraft Country last year, and, and sundown towns kind of, oh, this, this really exists. But this, <laughs> when I ride north, that's what I've considered a sundown town <laughs> since the 90s. So, it's bugged out going that way. But I never had any problems. But then when mm-hmm. I go south to Dayton and towards downtown Dayton, I do see more black faces. Um, but like you said, I would now that I've kind of discovered what cycling is. I mean, I, I would like it to be. I, I would like there to be more of us. But um, we'll see. Do you think? I don't know. I guess because um, do you do you ride a lot on the trails throughout the week or more on roads? Um. So, I think I'm biased because I'm at a different level. Okay. Than some folks, so it depends on the what I'm trying to do. So if I'm trying to train, then I probably just hit the trainer, or I'll ride on roads. Okay. Because the trails can be very congested. And yeah. there's, there's speed limits on the trail. Okay, okay. <laughs> and you're supposed to be going a certain speed limit. And you can't really do some of that unless you go really really early or late. Right. You can't really do that on the trail at peak times. But that's also why if I'm training, I'd usually, if it's during the week, I'll train in the morning on my trainer in the basement. And then if I'll go outside during the week, I'm actually going outside to socialize. Okay. So the ride looks different. So I will ride on the trail, yes. Because we do have some great trails here in Pittsburgh once you get on them. Okay. Um, there's some really great trails. And like I said, it connects all the way to the D.C. if you ride the, the Greater Allegheny Passage. And there's like, there's the Gap Trail, the Greater Allegheny Passage Trail. There's the Montour Trail. 
there's um there's like uh Westmoreland Westmoreland Heritage Trail there's a there's a couple that are popping up and even more because these small towns especially in Pittsburgh they're like still towns. There's these old towns where right, they're right. like dying. Right. And so they need this the tourism. Okay. So as much as these folks hate bikers sometimes, by having a trail in your town creates more tourism and, and it just brings money and economy okay. um, to your town. So I think we're starting to see a lot more of that. And people are just getting outside and riding a bike. And of course, you know, COVID brought the boom of bikes. Of all, you know, the biggest boom that bikes have ever seen in a long, long time. So everyone's out out riding. And when you're out riding, everyone is out. And people who ride, who maybe didn't ride before but drove, are realizing how much drivers can be some D-bags. Then I think it helps inform them that when they drive, now they'll be more respectful. And now they'll be more considerate. And I think the more that people bike, the more that you have people who are more considerate of cyclists. Because the more bikers there are, the more degrees of separation there are for those people. And so drivers would be more respectful because it's like, oh, that could be my people's out there. Because that happened for me. Like, my people was like, oh, you started biking. And then they're like, yeah, every time you started biking, I always think about, oh, that could be, uh, my nickname is Shay. Oh, that could be Shay. And so I got, you know be respectful because then I don't want to hit my own people or just they think about me they think about somebody else's routine in the road they don't want that to happen right. and they know I've been hit before so it's just like it just creates more consideration okay um, mm-hmm. well look I, I mean I don't want to open up to another 30 minutes and whatnot but <laughs> uh very last question I'm just curious because you know you're more tied into this than me but mm-hmm. um I mean is there is there What's this guy's name? Justin Williams? Is that it? The, mm-hmm. the head of Legion. He's the head of Legion. Yeah, he started the team, and he is the um, U.S. national champ, so, road champ, yeah, so great champ. The only cyclist I really know is uh, Armstrong, right? <laughs> yeah. Which I know his he's his name is so tarnished yeah. now. All of that, but whatever, but whatever. But I'm just <laughs> saying. Automatic. Is there uh, the possibility of uh, of Justin kind of emerging as this some guy that, that I'm hearing about on a bigger level? He's Justin is making U.S. cycling big because there's a difference between European and American cycling. American cycling is more focused on crits. And we do have some road races and things, but we're more of a crit culture. Okay. And so with Justin is, I, I think, and I'm going to not try to speak for him, but based on things that he has said, just kind of suss it out, is that he wants to make U.S. cycling big, make people love it, and for us to not try to conform to European cycling. Because what they have is different. It's built on and embed it in their culture in a, in a different way. And they support it in a way that it's not supported here. And so he's trying to create our own thing and based it off like more crits and things, things that are gonna work for how we run things and how our way of life is here. Um, and so I think that's what he's doing. He's teaching people to love our style of racing, not necessarily try to conform to their style. 
and there's nothing wrong with their style or our style, but it's just different, different types of races in that uh, the scene here could be hard as well. It's just more spread out, you know, okay. but it's just, I think he's making it stylish again. He's making people want to do it. And I'm hoping that, you know, because of Justin and Aisha that yeah, I just found out about her this week. Like, <laughs> because of them, we, we'll have more people, you know, there won't be just a Justin. There won't be just a Aisha right, that right. there'll be so many that we can't even, you know, we can't even count, you know, because like, you know, back in the day of baseball, you had Jackie Robinson, you had a few. We don't want to be. We want to be so many that like so many names, so many names that you can't even keep track of. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just like I said, I uh, I use my burner account to track all of this stuff. Uh, I kind of mm-hmm. watch music and now cycling, and I you know I don't know um, about. I mean, and I'm older too, so I don't know about getting into any type of racing what and whatnot. But you know, I am looking forward um, to getting out there and, and 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 doing some different organized rides and whatnot, and, and letting that be, um, you know, something for this year. Like you said, last year when I looked it up, everything was uh, canceled by the uh, Dayton MTCC. So, uh, but I, I saw the Columbus chapter like has their schedule out there. It was a little, I, I guess it's required, but um, they had a requirement that you have to uh, ride with the mask. I really haven't seen too many people out on the paths with um, with mask, uh, but th- you know that's just people riding on their own and whatnot, or in, in groups of two or three. But um, uh, it's funny because yesterday I actually going through that sundown town. Um, I turn around this corner and it was like 20 white riders and uh, they had on all the different colors you know and more expensive looking bikes and everything and I was like damn you know they, they just kind of threw me off and like I said I ride through that area Uh, I even one time I was I thought something was going on with my rear tire and several people were riding by and were like, are you okay? Are you okay? Do you need some help? Everything good. So I've never really, uh, you know, encountered any bullshit out there on the past and whatnot. But, you know, like you said, we do often get into spaces and we, if we're a minority, you know, or, you know, the few of us, you, you, you kind of just want to get a bear, get your bearings and, you know, but I've never had any problems. Yeah, I think we definitely should see more. I think you're dating. I think the president of the Major Taylor Dayton is uh, Carolyn, and she's dope. Um, actually, I've been seeing a shift, actually. This is a tangent. And a lot of the Major Taylor clubs, they've gone from male presidents <laughs> to now there's female presidents. So I'm seeing a shift because New Jersey has a female president, Gina. Um, New York Iron Riders has a female president, Derricka. Now Pittsburgh, myself. Dayton, Carolyn, and I think Cincinnati. Um, I forgot her name, but it's like, you know, I've seen definitely a shift of like women's leadership definitely coming to the fore. Um, but Dayton is good people. Um, so I definitely give them a try. And I wouldn't even think age is a barrier because a lot of their club, I've, they have some older riders there, all different body types. Uh, that's one of the other things too that is I like when I got with the Taylors that we travel they go on summits 
they go to other they go to each other's rides so okay. each club will have like a signature ride not they don't always have to have a signature ride but most have at least one signature ride and we visit each other support each other and you end up meeting people from everywhere like the new hope ride which is between philly jersey and new york that ride is wonderful it has a police escort for the first uh i think 15 to 20 miles or something like that and then i know dayton has a nice ride and then the detroit uh detroit cyclones they have a passport and pedals ride where you got they ride up in canada okay which was dope. I was like, this is dope. You bring your passport. It's called Passports and Pedals or something like that. But that was fun. And it just gets you the bug to travel and see the United States in a way that you've never seen it before. Right. Um, that's what I love about it, too. And then, you know, the black clubs. I mean, white people, too. But it's a lot of black love there. And, of course, you have Atlanta. Atlanta has a couple clubs. But the biggest one being uh, MAC, uh, Metro Atlanta Cycling Club. And then there's so many other major tailors. Like if you, I hate Facebook, but if you type in, and I only keep it for cycling, literally. If you type in Facebook major tailor, you'll see all these freaking things pop up for all these clubs. So many clubs popping up. It's wonderful. So you can literally go any city almost and pull up and you can find a bunch of riders to ride with, which is dope. Um, and I think there's like the major tailor. I forgot what it's called. It's like a general. I'm trying to think. It's like a general major tailor. So the organization itself. Yeah, association. Hold on. It's like oh, the major tailor association. So I okay. just look. Yeah, major tailor association. I think they list all the clubs, but I don't even know how how if they keep that list as up to date. Because I think they're usually behind. You're better off like. If you're on Facebook and you join like the Black Cyclists or Black Cyclists United, you can link up people from there. Um, other affiliate clubs that might not be major, they might not be major tailor, but they're black clubs. There's just, there's just so much out there now. And then because of COVID, even more clubs have popped up. Okay. And that's wonderful. Like, I don't want us to be the only black club in Pittsburgh. That's dumb. I want there to be a bunch. And now there are, because now we got Robin's Club, Women at Work. We got these other clubs called Still City Riders. And there's another another black club. They're older. They're called Soul Cycles. So like, or Soul Cyclists or something like that. But I want there to be so many that I can't just name them. I can't name five. But you know, you know, you want to have so many that it's, it's abundance. Because uh, then there's more riders, the more people we got riding. There's more of us, more diversity of, of types of riding too um which is which is all love because it shouldn't just be one group i don't want us to be the only group i'm glad we're not the only group no more that's that's what i'd love to see so yeah all right yeah i think it might have been facebook was where i actually saw the members of the dating chapter but like i said i don't think they have an instagram uh account for the dating <laughs> whatever like i said my my mother-in-law's friend i know she's in it she's on she actually lives on one of the routes that i ride i just been trying to bump into her or see her front door open and i you know go introduce myself and make it happen but um but other than that i appreciate your time it's been wonderful getting to know you and getting to know about your ride and and, and the pittsburgh cycling scene and whatnot um 
like I said, I'm I'm um, I did break down and, and upgrade it from my uh, fitness bike to a road bike this year. Um, bought me some bibs this week that I tried on for the first time. That's gonna take that's gonna take <laughs> take a level of uh, comfort. Uh, actually, when I got out yesterday, I I didn't get to park in the parking lot. I was like on this overflow area, and as soon as I get to uh park to get out and get my stuff together uh another couple pulled up behind me and i'm like i'm still not comfortable standing around in 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 the tights in front of people but you know you can get the mountain bike shorts that go over top or just hoop shorts yeah i seen people we got a guy on our ride i'm not gonna say no names he never he never wears the bib shorts where you can see he always wears the mountain biking shorts over his uh um his his bib shorts or his um cycling shorts that just because like overkill. he don't he don't want to i he mean to. eventually it'll feel right just like i said you know and it's crazy because as a kid my mom bought me like four pairs of biker shorts that i wore around the neighborhood you know 15 14 years old but now like i said i've been out there on my bike i just feel just naked out there on a bike but that's just that's just two or three times wearing i'm sure you know in a few weeks it'll be you know if you ride with a group it'll be better because then you'll see other people and they'll be like whatever and anybody will care it's when you're by yourself where you're like dang i got this padded thing on my butt and i look and walk around looking like a monkey or something right you know what i mean you feel awkward you, if, if you're clipped in and you're clickety clacking and you're walking all weird right it, yeah it definitely feels awkward if you're by yourself for maybe, sure maybe that's what it is i'm just out there by myself but anyway like i'm about function and it just seems like riding with the right attire just it just it just seems more it, it just seems more efficient or something yeah, but don't discount the mountain bike shorts. I'm telling you, people do it, and then you can actually. Um, it's the material is lighter too, where it won't be as like clunky as cotton shorts. Okay. So it, it's a more that like swishy, so it's easier, and it's meant for sweating and all that stuff too. And you can put them over. I see people do all the time, and it's no big deal. Okay. Well. Yeah. If, if, if I have a hard time growing growing into that uh that comfort level maybe i'll get at a a shot but um anyway let me let you get out of here again thank you for your time and um you know i i look forward to uh tracking what's going on with you and the rest of the riding season and who knows you know maybe uh maybe i we bump into each other at some event or something down the road facts facts all right all right take care bye hopefully you found some portion of that entertaining or informative that was the objective uh, I want to thank uh, again thank Shay Shaquaya Bailey for uh, joining me on my platform she did do something on the Black Foxes uh, maybe it was an Instagram live maybe um, I think and we did touch on what the Black Foxes was all about 
um, I think they have a YouTube channel too. I, I went by there a couple of weeks ago or something when I found out about Shaquaya's, uh, uh, you know, her accomplishment in that ride. But um, again, I'm not going to hold you up long. I know this is a longer episode. Hopefully that can be overlooked by some based on the fact that this was a um, kind of an enthusiast type episode or personal interest story or whatever. And, you know, there was there were different things that we talked through where I tried to make it interesting. I got some positive feedback from it from a mother-in-law's friend. Uh, But anyway, I do want to encourage you, you know, give yourself options that you can actually that you'll actually have fun with uh you know again some of even some of these hit classes and and, and um boot camp classes is indoors sometimes uh depending on where you live how many months do you can you really work out outdoors and and, and i don't know there 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 are a ton of options with cycling i just want people to know about it i just want people to consider it um it doesn't have to be your main thing it can be part again it can be a part of what you do for your fitness um but i think you i I think it's something i know it is a little uh hard on the pocket on the pocketbook i don't know where you know everybody is right now with their finances with um you know maybe to take care of that if you invest in some of this bitcoin and dogecoin and uh some in crypto and some of this stuff or if you bought some wayfair last if you bought a lot of stuff last uh march you know you might be up right now you might be way up and then some of the you know and cost might and the cost of uh getting started out with cycling might not really be an issue but um anyway that was what i wanted to do man was just for you to be able to listen to this episode and hear some fun stuff here that we've everybody started like drake said everybody started at the bottom now they're here uh you have to figure out what your goals are um what you can do don't worry about what you think you need to do or how you need to look uh but don't get me wrong don't don't get it twisted though i did just buy some of these biker shorts uh the bibs and i I, i've been out on them a couple of times on it on the bike path already and I see the functionality. I, I get the functionality. And, and when I got, you know, shirts and whatnot blowing up my back and I feel like I need to stop to adjust myself so that my butt is not hanging all out and whatnot. I, I, I get some of the different stuff and some of the, you know, the it's, it's a reason behind some of this stuff. But again, I'm not there yet on the comfort level. Um, second day that i went out to the uh to the bike path i went to go park because i'm i'm serious i'm trying to i'm trying to like sleek is that the word uh slither i'm trying to slither out of my truck grab my bike put my keys where they need to be or get my phone on there and uh hop onto the bike all in one motion and be on on, onto the bike path riding like i don't want to stand around feeling naked 
with uh with these biker shorts on and i ain't sydney from uh, white men can't jump um that's just where it, but anyway this this couple pulled up behind me and i had to you know i had to get out and get my bike out and and get my sit my, my my gear situated and i just felt like some new black guy standing on the side of the road next to my truck you know i, I just felt new and naked uh lastly uh one thing that's really pissed me off this week really pissed me off with my cycling is my phone i won't mention what kind of phone it is but it's no longer uh connecting with my 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 fitness watch and one of the things that i really liked and and part of my motivate maintaining my motivation tracking my improvement and you know just all the, the the analytical or the data that you can get all of that's no longer being sent to my phone to get how many calories i burned where i was riding fast you know what what i did each five mile uh stretch the average speed that i had you know the heart rate zones that i was in none of that stuff is being sent to my phone anymore and um looking at it on my watch is not as uh is, is not as satisfying it's not as motivating um and i spent a, a i've spent already a couple uh you know a few hundred dollars you know getting this device these devices together to be able to track what i'm doing so i'm i'm, I'm really pissed off right now I've, I've got a couple of hours sunk into trying to make my phone and my uh watch talk and i'm reading forums and rebooting default setting all, all this this troubleshooting stuff and uh and i'll close with this ironically the guy the bike shop guy just realized his name is joe um but the, the local bike shop guy he said uh, a couple weeks ago or when i first started talking to him last season he said he keeps it really simple and he just focuses on a simple acronym i might have mentioned this at the beginning i think i did in talking to shay but fit i think it's frequency intensity and time and uh i guess that's how i might have to go about measuring my my uh you know my workouts just make sure i'm riding four or five nights a week vary the intensity and then time you know sometimes it's a 30 minute ride sometimes it might be an hour sometimes it might be two hours sometimes it might be two hours and 30 minutes so um but yeah this 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 phone situation is really a downer right now but that's life uh anyway thanks for checking me out it's always personal hit that rating thing that review thing for me it helped me out a bunch holler at me on um you can find me on social media at waterbed underscore reg i'm out safe riding travels joy working out that's it man. let me get on off here peace